Welcome to the Unaffiliated Creatives Podcast, a show where independent artists can learn from other independent artists. My name is K.A. Everyday, and each week, I will be speaking with some of the most creative minds in the indie music space, trying to figure out what they have learned while navigating through the music industry without the support of major record labels. This podcast is brought to you by the good people over at King Neppy Studios and powered by Red Weasel Media. Thanks for tuning in to the Unaffiliated Creators Podcast, episode number five. I'm your host, K.A. Everyday. This is the Indie Yard, a safe place, so take off your shoes, get comfortable, and stay a while. Do us a favor and please rate the show. And if you have any feedback for us, please email us at unaffiliatedcreatives at gmail.com. The snippet you heard playing was a track I created. Feel free to give it a proper title. For right now, I just named it Lil Baby Type Beat. So, you want to be a music producer, so let's get into it. So let me first start off by saying, if I can make beats, anybody can make beats. There's no excuses anymore. With technology, people are making beats on their phones, and I'm not joking, y'all. I wish I remembered the guy's name, but I actually had a guy a while back reach out to me through IG. And he was like, yo, man, let me send you some tracks. I guess he wanted me to record you know, some music to his tracks. And uh, he sent me some music, and it actually sounded kind of decent, but what really blew me away is uh, when he hit me back and was like, yo, what did you think about the music and stuff? I was like, yo, it was cool. He was like, yeah, man, I recorded that. I made that beat from my phone. And at that moment, that let me know that you can't make no excuses no more when it comes to Making beats, because if you got people out here making beats on their phones, then, hey man, it's the wild, wild west when it comes to making beats. So, first I would say, before you really get into making beats, you want to figure out what kind of beat you're trying to make, and you want to go off and study the best. So, the best way I can explain this would be, let's say you was trying to make a trap beat, right? So, what you want to do is, before you just start trying to make a trap beat, Go and listen to some of the hottest songs of some of the hottest artists that rap over trap beats, and you're going to start hearing a lot of similarities. So, you know, you might want to go off and listen to Lil Baby songs and some other people's songs that, that rap over trap beats. First thing you're going to notice is that a lot of trap beats have the same BPM. So the average BPM for a trap beat is around 140. BPM stands for beats per minute, in case you didn't know. All right, so once you figure out what BPM you want to use and stuff like that, there's going to be some other things you're going to realize that trap beats have in common, the way they do the hi-hats, the way the drums sound, stuff like that. A lot of the stuff is going to be the same. So once you get a, a basic understanding of what ingredients you need to cook up a trap beat, then go in there and go crazy, all right? So 
Now that I kind of talked about BPMs and everything, so let's say you making a trap beat and you and you want to use BPM 140 because, like I said, that's the average BPM for a trap beat. So now you got to do a little bit of math. So the way you can freak the BPMs is, so let's say you found a sound that sounded like a sample, right? Well, a lot of times these soul samples, especially when you're using loops and stuff, a lot of times the BPMs are slower. So what you would have to do is, I mean, it's just basic math. So you can divide 140 by 2, which is 70. So that'll still work and it'll still sound on beat with 140 BPM. You just basically cut it in half. So if you found a soul sample that was 70 BPM, you can put that on your trap beat that's 140 BPM and it's still going to work. All right. So now that we're talking about, since I brought up, you know, the samples and the, and the slower BPMs for samples, I'm going to give you all a little trick to make your beat sound like a sample. So one thing you want to do is the, the, the sound that you're wanting to be the sound that's duplicating or making like replicating the sample. You want to do the what I like to call the under the water trick or you want to muffle the sound. So a lot of times what you want to do is you want to shelf off the highs, the high frequency to make it sound kind of muffled. And then a lot of times you want to turn the volume of that sample down because most samples aren't really loud. You kind of want it to sound kind of low, right? So you lower the volume, you do the under the water trick or you or you shelf off the high frequency and then you go and you find that old record sound that you know how it sound that old when your parents back in the day was playing them old records that that crackling sound. So you find that sound effect, put the crackling sound in the beat, take your soul sample sound, put it underwater, muffle it, whatever you want to call it, and there you go. I just gave y'all a little tip for how to make a soul sample type beat. All right, so another thing I wanted to talk about, guys, because I'm going to be honest, man, this jank, it just, uh, it drives me crazy when I hear a lot of beats that it, you can tell that the person just threw a lot of sounds together, but they don't know anything about the scale and the keys and what sounds go together with other sounds. So before you get too deep into making beats, you need to understand the basics of the music keys or the scale. So I'm going to give you an example. So my natural singing voice is a C sharp minor. C sharp minor. So my voice, if I was singing, is on a C sharp minor scale. So all the notes that make up the C sharp minor scale, that's a tongue twist, I'm sorry, I keep screwing it up. But the notes that make up that scale is C sharp, D sharp, E F sharp, G sharp, A, and B. So if I was making a track for me and I wanted to make sure that I'm not singing off key, I would have to make sure that any element in the beat that I'm making has to be made up of any of those notes. If any other sounds or any of the other keys outside of the keys that I just named and I'm singing in C sharp minor, I could be technically singing in the right key but it's going to sound like I'm off key because the other notes that aren't in the C sharp minor scale are going to clash with what I'm singing. So the same thing applies when you're making a beat. 
all of the keys need to be made up of that key scale because if you start adding in other sounds that are off of that scale, the beat is going to sound off and it's just going to sound like all the notes and stuff clashing. So the best thing to do, the easiest thing to do, especially when you're using loops, a lot of these sites, they'll put what key that sound is in. So let's say you you found a trap, some trap sounds, and um, it was in the key of E. So the easiest thing to do is you can sort it by BPM. So let's say if you was doing you know, 140 BPM, so you would sort it by, you want to see all of the sounds that are in 140 BPM, and you only want to see the sounds that are in E in the key of E. So if you're making sure that all of the keys are in the key of E and you're picking all the sounds on the same BPM, then you know that the sounds are not going to clash because all the sounds that you are putting in that beat are all in the key of E. And again, you know, once you want to start expounding on it, you can pick other notes. But like I was just sharing with you guys, for like me, if I was trying to make something for me when I'm singing, yes, E is one of the notes that makes up the C-sharp minor scale. So if I wanted to do C-sharp, I could find a a sound that's C-sharp because that's part of the scale. If I I found another sound that was A, you know, in the key of A, I could put that sound in there too, and it's still going to sound right. But again, if you start throwing in all these random notes and the stuff clashing, it's not going to sound right. So no matter how hot the beat sounds, it's not going to sound pleasing to the ear if you have a lot of different notes and they clashing with each other. So another thing you're going to have to figure out when you're trying to make beats is if you want to use hardware like an MPC or ASR10 or a keyboard or if you want to use loops. So a lot of producers back in the day frowned on, you know, these young producers using loops. A lot of them feel like it's cheating. They feel like you're not a real musician if you don't know how to bang out on the keyboard or if you don't know how to hit the pads on the MPC machine. And I get it. But nowadays with the music industry, a lot of times it's about how fast can you crank out these beats? You got these young kids making 20 beats a day because they're using loops. Or you want to be the guy that just want to romance this thing and you just want to just hold on to that MPC machine and you making a beat a day Versus this kid making 20 beats a day. The kid that's making 20 beats a day is going to win because he's going to kill you in short volume. So even if you have the hottest beat, your beat can actually sound better than the 20 beats. But again, the kid that's making the 20 beats is going to beat you in the long run because they're going to kill you in the volume game. So at some point, you know, you kind of got to adapt with the times. And don't get me wrong, I mean... If you can still make beats on the MPC machine and things like that, I mean, that's cool. But uh, don't frown on these youngers as making loops because, uh, I mean, I know me personally, I can take a loop and I can do certain things to it. The way, one, you you won't even be able to tell it's a loop, or even if you do know it's a loop, it's still going to sound hot. So it don't really matter if it's a loop or if I played it on the keyboard. If it's hot, it's hot. All right. So now I want to kind of start getting into, you know, the, the making the pro- the producer tags, you know, that's like the the new thing now that you're hearing all these different people, you know, making all these tags. And I think it's cool, you know, and I think that's like a good way, you know, if you're really worried about people trying to steal your beat or if you putting beats on YouTube or if you sending people tracks, if you worried about them stealing your beat or taking credit for the beat that you did, I guess the easiest way is, is, to, is to put your tag at the beginning of the track. 
Um, you know, just try to get creative with it. I mean, you know, I know y'all hearing some of the hot tags that's out here, and I know it's easy to kind of try to duplicate, you know, what somebody else has done. But try to see if you can come up with a way to kind of come up with your own, you know, producer tag and make it your own. All right, so another thing I kind of want to talk to you guys about today is, you know, once you create the track, you, you got to learn how to put it in some kind of song format because if you don't, basically your beat's going to get boring and it's just going to sound like one continuous loop and it never changes. So what I mean by putting a, a track in song mode is, so if, so at first, you know, when the beat first come on, you don't want it to start off right away with all of the sounds playing. It's just like if you was watching a movie. You don't jump right into the middle of the movie, right? So the same thing applies, you know what I'm saying, with a beat. So you normally want to start off by taking some of the sounds out at the beginning. So that would be considered like the intro. And as the beat builds, then you start adding more sounds, right? So the, the normal basic song format when it comes to a track is you would have like the intro, then you would have where your verses go, then you would have where your hook go. Everybody don't use bridges, but especially like in R&B music and stuff like that, you know, people still use bridges. Normally where the bridge comes, that's where it changes or you can tell that the beat totally changes. And the easiest way to do that is if you change it into another key. But a lot of these young kids these days aren't really doing that. Um, and then you have like the outro. So the outro, you know, you would take out some of the sounds again so you can tell that the beat's kind of coming to an end or it's fading out, stuff like that, right? Yeah, so that's the basic uh, song structure format. Some of the things you can do the outside of just formatting the track to kind of make it interesting. You know, you can find certain places where you can just either drop out all the sounds where it's like a quick drop or you can always make sure like you take out the bass line for a couple of couple of bars or you can take out the drums for a couple of bars and you bring them back in. Those are just some simple ways to kind of add a little flavor to your track. All right. So you want to make your drums bang, right? All right. So I probably shouldn't be telling y'all this, but this is the Unaffiliated Creators Podcast, man. And then, you know, as I learn, you guys learn, we all learn it, right? So I'm going to give y'all a little trick when it comes to making your drums bang. So Let's say you went out and you found a drum loop. And the drum loop don't sound bad, but you know that it could sound better, right? So a, a quick way, well, it's not really that quick, and it's actually a little bit of work, but once you do it, you'll probably never want to go back to just using a regular drum loop. So what you do is you, you, you pull your drum loop on your timeline and your DAW, and I don't know about all DAWs, but I know like in Studio One, you can right click on it and you can go down and there's something that says detect transients. And basically what detect transients does is every time it detects the first sound of that beat. How can I explain it? So let's say every time the, the drum hits in a track. It's going to put a line where the drum is and it's going to put a line where all of the other sounds are too. But if you, if you drag it and make the, the loop big, you'll see the wave size get big. You'll notice that all of the drum sounds have the same wave pattern. That's the easy way to kind of, kind of cheat. So once you visually see what the drum wave pattern looks like, it's going to be a line that, that dictates that this is the very beginning of that drum sound after you right click and hit detect transients so then what you do 
is you go and you find um like uh Hit Boy, Wonder, and there's a couple other people that got some real good um drums that's just the one second, one hit drum sounds. So what you do is once you right click and hit detect transients, you basically and copy and paste their you know, Hit Boy Wonder, any of these other cats that's got some crazy sounding drums, you basically copy and paste their one-shot drum sound everywhere where that drum loops, where the drum hits. And then, of course, you can leave the hi-hats and all the other stuff in there. And then when you go back and play that drum loop, that drum loop is going to sound amazing. So I just gave you guys a quick way. Well, again, it ain't really quick. And it actually does take some work because you're having to do a lot of copy and paste and you have to, you know, do the control C, control V, and then you got to hit the tab button. When you hit the tab button, it shifts over to the next part of the beat where it can tell where the next sound is uh, indicated. But again, so you will have to keep tabbing over till you get to the next wave file of the drum sound and then you know you gotta do the you know control C, control V, and you copy and pasting everywhere where that drum wave pattern hits. Alright, so I'm gonna give you guys another nugget, cause uh I'm pretty sure everybody's not doing this. So my homeboy had to had to put me on game when it come to this. So the way to get your mixes to sound better when after you've made a beat, once you get into trying to mix your beat, and I don't know everybody probably don't do this, but I make my own beats and after I make the beat, I mix my own tracks and I, I master the tracks as well. So when you when you get to the point where you want to start mixing your beats, you want to get away from using the same headphones that you use when you were like recording the music and stuff like that. You want to get you a pair of mixing headphones. I know it sounds crazy, but there is a difference. So mixing headphones, they're open on the back side so what it does is it allow it allows the sound to come through and it escapes out the back so it's like the closest to the natural sound that you're going to hear when you're mixing the track i know they sound crazy and a, another thing that's good with the mixing headphones and is it doesn't allow you to distort the beat so you can keep turning the beat up as loud as you can well with the ones i have anyway I can turn the beat up as loud as I want to in my mixing headphones and it won't allow you to distort the beat. But when you're using regular headphones, you can get to the point where the beat will get so loud where it'll start distorting. So if you guys don't you know, learn anything from me today when it comes to making beats, trust me, you will thank me later when you get yourself a good set of mixing headphones. All right. Let me see what else we got here. Also, another thing I like to do after I mix the song, and this is a good habit, you want to listen to your mix in three different, at least three different scenarios. And once you listen to the beat in three, at least three different scenarios, and it sounds good in all those different places, you pretty much know you got a good mix. So what do I mean by three different scenarios? So most people nowadays like to listen to stuff on their phones, right? So you want the mix to sound good on cell phones. Cell phones don't really have big speakers, right? So play it through your cell phone, play it through your computer speakers. If you got a, a pair of like Bose headphones or like Beats or something like that that can take bass, play it through some headphones like that and play it in your car. 
good to play it in your car because your car speakers can, they do a good job normally of handling in the bottom end or the bass. So if you do a mix and it sounds good on your phone, your computer speakers and in the car, um, it's pretty much safe to say that you got a pretty good mix. All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about mastering. So mastering is a little bit different in mixing. So mastering does not fix a bad mix, but you want to get a good mix first. Mastering basically boosts the levels of a mix. So you can mix a song as good as you possibly can, but you still won't get the overall volume and the loudness that you will from mastering it. So if you want your beats to sound louder and fuller, after you mix them, you're going to have to master them. So when you're ready to take your beats to the next level, I would say you might want to start getting them mastered. But again, it doesn't do you no good to get a beat mastered if the mix isn't good. All right. So last thing I'm going to talk about today when it comes to making beats. So once you figured out, you know, the best of the best, best in breed, you know, figured out your BPMs, the scale, the key, the sounds, you done figured out, you know, if you want to use loops, if you want to use machines, you done figured out how to mix, you done master and everything, what you going to do with the beat? So nowadays, like I said, it's a volume game. So what a lot of people have been doing nowadays is they either going on YouTube and they uploading beats like every day, hundreds of beats, you know, every so many weeks. They, they're keeping this like a constant machine of just feeding the beats, feeding the algorithm with your beats. And at some point, you're hoping somebody going to come across your beat, jump, and they're going to want to jump on it, and that's cool. Or some other producers, you know, they like to use websites like BeatStars, and I'm pretty sure there's others, but BeatStars is like one of the more popular ones. It's a website that allows you to sell your beats. You know, you, you can set the price and then um, they can actually download a free version of your beat, but that beat's going to be all tagged up with BeatStar tag or you might even be able to put your own tag in there too. But if they want to buy the beat with no tag in it, then you set however much you want to charge for the beat. But Nowadays, it seems like the going rate for most beats is like $20, $25, man. These cats basically giving the beats away for free. So that's another reason why you kind of got to get in the volume game because you ain't going to get rich by just selling a beat one time for $25. But if you sell the same beat for $25 and then you sell that same beat to 25 other people, then, you know, just do the math. You know, it starts adding up. So I just gave y'all the quick down and dirty when it comes to making beats, man. Like I said, I'm I'm not saying I'm the best, but I know I'm not the worst. And as crazy as it sounds, uh, I only really been seriously making beats for like a year now. And you and you heard how that beat sounded when the when the podcast first came on. So um, I didn't I didn't took it serious. I really dove in and really studied, you know, the best in breed and figured out. You know, what these cats doing, what sounds they like to use, what rhythms and cadence and all that stuff. And I just applied myself. So like anything, the more you do it, the better you get. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this to this podcast. I hope I was able to answer any questions you guys might have as far as making beats. Again, there's no excuses. If I can make beats, anybody can make beats. And again, people making beats off their phone. So if you can make a beat off your phone... If you got stuff like Studio One and equipment and professional microphones and all this stuff, then you definitely don't have no excuse not to be making tracks. So anyway, that's all I got for today. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Until next time, y'all be good and stay safe. 
Thanks for joining us this week at the Unaffiliated Creators Podcast, the indie artist safe place. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go subscribe wherever podcasts are streamed so you will never miss a show. If you found value in this podcast, please give us a rating or just simply tell a friend about us. I want to give a big thanks to our sponsors at King Nepi Studios, and I hope you tune in next week. Until then, be good and stay safe.